is happening, it's coming. And I, I told this uh, story earlier in the, in the first service that, uh, that there's a story of this little girl who went to bed with her fake pearls around her neck every night. And every night when her dad would, would uh, tuck her in, he'd say, honey, are you going to give me those fake pearls tonight? And she's like, no, daddy, I want to I sleep with my fake pearls. And this went on and on and on. And then one night she said, here, daddy, here's my fake pearls. And he said, thank you, beloved. And he took her fake pearls, and then he put a string of real pearls around her neck. And so when we are asked to change and to grow, we're being called forth by the universe to give up our fake pearls, to give up those ways of being and thinking and believing that we think is real, that we think that's our goodies and, and that's our safety. And the universe is like, no, give that to me so I can give you what's real. And so I want to talk about change and transformation today as it relates to recovery. But not recovery in the typical sense that we usually talk about recovery as in recovering from something. I want to talk about recovering the real something. That real something about you that may have gotten buried deep beneath the dust and grit of a challenging journey. That something that is real about you, that is infinite, that is whole, that is complete, that is amazing. I want to talk about rediscovering that your sense of wholeness and worthiness and feeling good enough and deserving for the kingdom of heaven, which is a state of consciousness, which is the truth of who you are. I want to talk about reawakening to your badass sexy. Can you get with that? Because there is nothing sexier than knowing who you are. Is that true? There is nothing sexier than, than feeling safe and, and, and walking this world without fear and worry. There's nothing sexier than that. Amen. Amen, Amen to the sexy. And so I believe based on my personal spiritual experience and the work that I've used to awaken, reawaken, rediscover, and recover my sense of wholeness, one of the most powerful formulas that I know to do that is by using the 12 steps of recovery. Now, the 12 steps of recovery are all in scripture. And they're in every spiritual book you've ever read. They're just not worded in the, way of the 12, in the ways that the 12 steps are worded. But they're, they're all talking about surrender. They're all talking about cleaning house. They're all talking about giving your life and surrendering to God. But the steps are structured in a way that it's like you take one step after the next that takes you from powerlessness, a sense of powerlessness and hopelessness, to a sense of divine empowerment. So while the 12 steps of recovery absolutely have the power to address those really obvious life-threatening addictions to drugs, alcohol, food, gambling, sex, and the like, they also have the power to address those less obvious life-diminishing addictions. So before any of you already, you know, have maybe kind of switched off saying, oh, this is for my sister. <laughs> She's an alcoholic. She needs to be here. I just want to say to you, no, boo, this is for you. <laughs> yes? Because I want to talk about those life-diminishing addictions, those addictions to chronic fear and worry. Amen? 
I want to talk about those addictions to, to, to feeling like somehow, some way, God made a mistake with you and you're not worthy and you're not good enough. Amen? I want to talk about being so addicted to social media that you, are, that, 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 you, that you turn away from your own life, from your own purpose, while you're looking in, in, into somebody else's life that has nothing to do with you. Can I get an amen? I want to talk about being addicted to living a life that is so much smaller than you are destined to live, and you know it, don't you? I have discovered that the 12 steps of recovery, coupled with metaphysical principles, have the power to heal those deep core illusions of separation and all of those deep emotions that the 12 steps alone are not designed to heal. And that new thought metaphysical principles, teachings, are not designed to heal without the accountability and right action of the 12 steps. But that together they create this mighty work that gets deep inside and connects you back to your oneness with the divine. I was one of those people where I'd been in recovery and then I came to new thought. And yes, I had grown and I had changed and I had healed a lot. But after years and years and years, I was still broken. Or I still thought I was. I, was, I still found myself recycling those deep core issues that I'd had as a little girl. How many of you can relate to that? That no matter how long you've been around here in New Thought, that you're still recycling that same stuff, yes? So I had to find a way to bridge the, the gap between these two very powerful healing modalities that allowed me to heal, to forgive the unforgivable. Because I've had some experiences in my life where I felt like I could never forgive that. And this work has shown me that I could. I have found a way to allow that deep inner child, and I, I always touch myself here because that's where my, my little girl hangs out. But this work has allowed her to stand on her feet and become integrated into wholeness within me and to heal in ways that I thought that was never possible for me. Can I get an amen? How many of you can relate to that? So let me share with you how I've come to this understanding. 30 years ago, I was addicted to crack cocaine and compulsive overeating and all sorts of emotional dysfunctions, getting involved in one unhealthy relationship after another, begging someone to see me, begging someone to love me, begging someone to validate and approve of me in a way that only reconnecting to my soul could do. And so my addictions found me in and out of treatment centers for six years and at the mercy of anyone who would allow me to sleep on their couch for the night. They left me homeless, jobless, and after being labeled an unfit mother for a time, even childless. Now you would think after losing my child and my dignity on the unforgiving streets of South Central Los Angeles, that that would have been the bottom that I needed to hit to surrender. But that wasn't my bottom. My bottom came by way of sweet grace in the form of a taxi driver who I had hailed to take me into the hood to buy more drugs. And instead of doing as I had instructed him to do, he pulled his cab over to the side of the road 
And he shut off the ignition and he turned to face me in the back seat and he looked deeply into my eyes. And he said, young lady, please don't. Don't kill yourself today. You don't have to live this way anymore. Now, the miracle wasn't that this guy said this to me, because trust me, I'd heard that a million times during my six years in the desert, as I like to call it. I'd even heard that from my daughter, who was seven years old at the time. Mommy, please don't do that anymore. The miracle was, in this sweet moment of grace, everything lined up. It's like the cosmic tumblers fell into place, and emotionally, spiritually, and physically, I caught a glimpse, the veil of illusion, the veil of separation parted, and I caught a glimpse of who I was as an expression of God. I caught a glimpse of what it felt like to be whole. I caught a glimpse of what it felt like to be free of that fear that just seemed to hang on me like a blanket. I felt, I, I felt what it felt like to walk in my own brand of dignity and to know who I was. And bam, in that instant, I became homesick for myself. I wanted to come home to myself. I'm like, that's who I am? How many of you have ever caught a glimpse of seeing yourself the way God sees you, the way you really are? And so in that moment, I said to the cab driver, but I was really saying to, my, to God within, yes, yes, I'll get clean. But I don't want to just get clean from drugs and chemicals. I want to live. And I want to live life fully. I want that girl that I caught that glimpse of. I want to live. And so I want to tell you that whenever you tell the universe that you want to live fully, you might want to be careful what you ask for. Because <laughs> the universe was like, ah, it's on now. That's all I've been waiting for. And that was the beginning of my very long road to spiritual and emotional recovery. Repeat that after me, spiritual and emotional recovery. I want you to say to me, I want to heal spiritually and emotionally and everything else falls into place. So that was the beginning of my long road to spiritual and emotional recovery because I thought after stringing 30 day consecutive days of clean time together that I was healed. I thought, you know, I was cool now. Little did I know that all of those deep fears and feelings of unworthiness and insecurities and not enoughness that had been numbed out by the chemical addiction were now fully thawed out, alive and active in my mind because they were no longer being anesthetized. They were fully on blast. And I realized, wow, I'd been addicted to fear long before I was addicted to crack cocaine. I was addicted to the illusion that I wasn't enough long before I started compulsively overeating. I was addicted to that insidious, life-diminishing habit of procrastination that wouldn't allow me to keep a commitment to myself. I'd make all these promises to myself about what I was going to do in my New Year's resolution with the same broken mind that had broken it the year before. Amen? And I was addicted to that incessant, disempowering mental chatter, say mental chatter, that kept lying to me, that kept telling me stories about who I was and who I wasn't, about what you thought of me and how I needed to guard and protect myself. And I believed those lies over and over and over again. 
till they brought me to my knees. Now, I've used the word addiction quite a bit. So let's get clear about what addiction is before you think this talk is for your sister. Addiction is, the definition of addiction is attached. Where you are so attached and hardwired to a certain belief system, thought pattern, and behavior pattern that you become enslaved by those patterns or you are in bondage to it. To the degree where you don't know where, these, where, where this way of being lets off and you really begin. You've taken it on as your identity and your safety. You don't know yourself independent of that way of being. Amen? And Michael Beckwith calls that sleepwalking, dreaming that you are awake. Bill Wilson, founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, says that the alcoholic mind cannot differentiate the truth from the false. But let's take that a step further because all he meant was the unillumined mind. The unawakened mind cannot differentiate the truth from the false. The false, those lies, feel like the truth. And the truth feels like a distant fantasy that's for those people over there. It's not for me. Is that right? And even though it's causing you misery and pain, you can't let it go. And I know that every time I get to another pivotal moment in my life where the universe is saying, Esther, it's time to give me your fake pearls where it's time for me to change and grow, even after being in recovery all of these years and after being a spiritual practitioner. And I know that God's about to give me my real pearls. I know that something powerful is trying to birth itself through me. I still get scared. I still get scared. Because I know that this habit, this way of being that I've taken on as my comfort zone, I know that it's got to die. And it has to die because it's not big enough for the big life I've said yes to. How many of you are holding on to beliefs and thought patterns and habits? And you know it. You know in your soul it's not big enough for you, boo. Right? But yet you can't let it go. And the reason that you can't let it go is because transformation, change, feels like death. And I'm sure when the caterpillar, before it turns into the butterfly, while it's going through that mushy, messy metamorphosis, that chrysalis stage, it's messy in there. It's scary. It's unsure. It doesn't know what's going to happen next. While it's going through that stage, I'm sure if it had words, it would say something like, damn, what did I sign up for? I didn't mean it, God. I don't want to change. I can't tell you how many times I've said, never mind. (laughs) And the universe says, oh, no, 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 no. You don't get to turn around now, beloved. You see, I know who you are. You're made in my image and likeness. I know how magnificent, how beautiful, how strong, how amazing you are. And you don't get to turn around because I've got some wings waiting for you. Now, you can do this the easy way. Well, we can do this the hard way. How you want to do it? Whatever way you want to do it. Scripture says if we hold on to our little lives, our fake pearls, we will lose our souls. But if we become willing to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, 
we will reconnect in consciousness to the very life that we're longing for, that's not out there. It's in here, and then in here creates out there, yes? Bill Wilson said that all addiction has its foundation in a spiritual malady, a mental obsession, and a physical allergy. And this meets new thought because a spiritual malady simply means you have forgotten home. You have forgotten that you're one with God. And when you forget that you're one with God, this creates emotional dis-ease and emotional dysfunction where we become obsessed with getting the external world to give us the ease and comfort and safety that only reconnection to, reconnecting to our souls can give us. And this is called the mental obsession. And every time you revisit the familiar pathways of, of, of a familiar obsession, whether it's an emotional addiction, say emotional addiction, or a physical addiction, you are, and I'm getting ready to say a bad word that we don't say around here in New Thought. In fact, in fact our practitioners in New Thought, they hate this word, but I'm bringing it back. You're powerless. And I like to say, Jesus the Christ was the first one that, that admitted powerlessness. And if Jesus, if homeboy can admit powerlessness, why can't we? He said, of myself, I can do nothing. Of myself, I am nothing. In the 11th step of the 12-step process, it says we pray only for knowledge of God's will and the power to carry that out. And therein lies the problem. Because even though we're all aware that God's will is synonymous with his nature, which is wholeness, order, harmony, peace, abundance, love, and all that good stuff, if there's so much unhealed static that we can't access that power, then we can't demonstrate it in our lives. Is that right? then we are powerless. We are demonstrating powerlessness. We are demonstrating separation in consciousness. A few months ago, I was experiencing a dilemma in my life. And I found myself thinking really hard. Have you ever just thought your way into a coma? <laughs> I just thought myself right into a coma. I thought I could obsess my way into the answer. And the answer is not vibrating at that frequency. The, the answer is not vibrating at the frequency of obsessing over the answer. It just ain't there. And so finally, I exhausted myself right into surrender. And I said, I'm powerless. I can't do it. And this amazing affirmation came through me. And I think it's one of the most amazing affirmations I've ever heard in my life and I want to share it with you do you want to know what it is I decided that every time my mind would recreate itself and tell God how to run my life because God doesn't know that I was going to say this affirmation and I would say I don't know crap <laughs> can I get an amen so I want you to look at that place in your life right now where you are efforting and you are laboring, and you are thinking, and you are obsessing, and you're trying to hold on to your fake pearls, and you're trying to protect yourself, and I want you to look at that place right now, and on the count of three, I want you to say, I don't know crap. Okay, wait a minute. One, two, three. I don't know crap. And now I want you to say, Whoo! oh my God, when we say I don't know crap, which is the metaphysical way of saying I'm powerless, 
you just feel that weight fall from you. Oh, I don't have to do it. I don't have to think about it anymore. It ain't my business. The how ain't my business. God's got this. But how does God got this? In, in step two, it says we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. This power greater than ourselves, scripture says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. This power greater than myself is your real self. It's the truth of who you are. This power greater than myself can restore me. Well, you can't be restored back to something that was never the truth about you in the first place. Restore means to bring something back to its original nature of perfection. You weren't created addicted, unworthy, not enough. You were created out of the presence and power that creates galaxies and worlds that is nearer than your hands and feet, closer than your breath. But there's a condition that has to be met in order for this power to restore you to the truth of who you are, there's something you got to do. And it says in step three, it says we must make a decision. Say, make a decision. Make a decision. To turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. And I like to say, if the God of your understanding ain't working for you, then it's time to get a new God or it's time to get a new understanding. Amen? Because God, which that word is too small to encompass the infinite, is good, is love, is order, is harmony, is for you. And if it be for you, nothing can be against you because it is absolutely all that there is and it is love. And so it is from that place. Can you surrender to that? Can you surrender to that? And then in steps four through seven, it says we, we take an inventory of those places where we have distorted belief systems and, and resentments and fears, and we look at these ways of being that's not in alignment, that's not in vibrational harmony with the truth of who we are. But we have to first acknowledge and become aware of those things. I like to say, you can't heal what you won't acknowledge. Say it, I can't heal what I won't acknowledge. And I can't acknowledge what I'm not aware of. So as we become aware of those hidden ways of being and believing and fears and resentments, and resentment is the remembering, retelling, and reliving of a painful event, even if that event is in the past, and we allow the universe to dissolve those ways of being, we can come into conscious contact, say conscious contact, with the infinite. And then in steps 7 through 10, we continue, it says we continue to take inventory, and we make amends to those we have harmed, except when to do so would injure them or others. We've got to clean up your unhealed static hanging out in the universe. Yes? You don't just get to say, I'm sorry, and God is good. You make what is broken whole. You bring it back into a vibration of wholeness. I broke my family with my addiction. And for the past 30 years, my daughter has not have, had to wonder where her mommy is. I've been able to show up for her in making an amends every single day. 
And now that you've cleaned up the static, now that you've turned your will and your life over to the care of God in this new understanding, in this deeper understanding that God, life, higher power is your life and it is good and it loves you. It is from this place that in step 11 it says we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact, say conscious contact, with God. Conscious contact means everything. Because God can be everywhere and all that there is, but if you, if you can't access it, then you can't demonstrate it. And prove our conscious contact with God. Now you have been taken from powerlessness to divine empowerment. You have been taken from hopelessness to infinite hope and knowingness. Now... When the obstacles show up in your life, you have the spiritual power and authority to say, mountain, be moved. Get gone. Get behind me, Satan. And it is gone. Satan simply means false belief. Yes? Now you have the spiritual authority that when there is a storm brewing in your mind and in your life, you can say, peace, be still. I'm one with God. And watch and behold as it falls away into the nothingness from which it came. And then in step 12... It says, as a result of these steps, and it doesn't matter which order you do them in, but this is a really amazing order because it, you get to demonstrate each step so clearly and so precisely. It says, as a result of these steps, we are now ready to carry this message. As Jesus Christ said, when you see me, you see he who sent me. Now you're ready to walk in this world with your head up high, your back straight, knowing who you are as an expression of God and help the next brother or sister who are still asleep. Now you're ready to walk in your badass sexy. Now you remember who you are. You've always been it. Part the veil. Catch a glimpse of who you are as an expression of God. That's what's been the truth about you. All the time, you just forgot. Now we get to remember. Peace and blessings.